How's it going, everyone? This is Andrew Lattisaw with the Greatest City in the World podcast. I have a very exciting guest with me today, Andrew Ria, who is the Libertarian candidate for yes, the sir. upcoming election to replace uh, Jeff Pyle as our state state representative. And um, Andrew, you're a young man. You're a busy guy, from what I understand. And um, how the heck did you get to the point where you're running for uh, Pennsylvania representative? Yeah, so that <laughs> actually, uh, the answer to that question goes back over a year ago, um, January 2020, mm-hmm. I had applied, interviewed, and been offered an internship with the Pittsburgh Pirates in their media relations department, which was m- my dream internship, yeah. I like to call it. Um, I was at then a junior at Waynesburg in the Department of Communication um, with a focus in journalism. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've grown up loving sports. I was always into sports. And this was a, it was a golden opportunity. So I was very excited for that. That was going to be my required internship for, for graduation. Uh And then COVID-19 hit. Yep. (laughs) And around that same time, you know, I starting senior year of high school, I started getting into politics a lot more. I never really paid attention until I had a, an intro to government and economics class at Apollo Ridge high school. That's what sort of set me off and, and got me into it. Um, and I'd always been an independent. I didn't believe in, you know, the two-party system. Uh, I leaned right, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't have – no party fit me perfectly right. until I found the Libertarian Party. I yeah. started watching uh, Larry Sharp and his coverage of COVID-19 and the reaction um, and the government really takeover because of COVID-19 was finally what pushed me. I said, this is this is my home. This is my political home. Uh-huh. And so with – you know, COVID-19 shutting down that internship. I'm going into the summer of before my senior year, I needed an internship. And so I figured, hey, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? I'm going to reach out to the state party and see if they have any internship program. Wow. Um, I messaged David Vesely, who was our Western vice chair at the time. And I asked and he said, well, we don't, but it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. So I went before the state board, pitched an internship. They loved it. And part of that internship was establishing the Armstrong County affiliate of the LPPA. Wow. First time in, I think, around 10 years that we had been affiliated as a county with the state party. And so, you know, since July of 2020, that's been one of my goals is to build the local party, the local affiliate here in Armstrong. And, you know, when Representative Pyle, unfortunately, had to resign, that was, you know, what better way to let people know that we're starting to get active again in Armstrong County, that, you know, we're here then to run a campaign yeah. and put a candidate out there. And so our now our Western vice chair, Sam Robb, reached out and said, hey, you know, if we don't have, you know, anyone else interested, would you be willing to run? And I was like, yeah, it sounds like fun. It sounds like <laughs> a, it's a new experience. I mean, 22 years old is a little early than earlier than I thought I was going to be yeah. as, you know, first time candidate. But it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And so I threw my, my name in the hat per se and, and got the nomination. And so here I am. It's been a, kind of a wild ride. If you would have asked me a year ago, if, if this would have been happening, I would have told you you were crazy, but yeah, uh, it, it's certainly been one of the best decisions I've ever made, despite how, you know, chaotic and busy it gets at times. It's, it's been a tremendous experience and I'm looking forward to, the last week of the campaign, and then hopefully a year and a half in Harrisburg. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, I've, I've been following you on social media now for a while since I first heard of you, and uh, I've been impressed with, with where you're at. For, uh, for 22 years old, you seem like you have a, a good head on your shoulders. You're, you're really, you. <laughs> you really know what you're, what you're trying to accomplish, and so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Um, I know you said you found your home with the Libertarian Party, kind of going through COVID and watching the government overreach, uh, those kinds of things. Why did you decide to kind of go that third party route rather than, say, try to change the Republican Party or something like that? Yeah, so one of my foundational political beliefs, way, going way back to my senior year of high school, so mm-hmm. 2017, is that the, the two-party system doesn't work. It's, it's dangerous to our republic. And this comes from George Washington in his farewell address saying mm-hmm. the two-party system, we cannot devolve into two parties. Now, Washington was a lot more fearful of political parties in general. Yeah. But I, I sort of lean towards, I guess, the Madison School of approach to political parties. In Federalist Paper 10, he said, you know, liberty is to faction what air is to fire. And so to remove political parties entirely, you would have to take away the liberty of the people, you know, freedom of association. He didn't believe in that. He thought that was wrong. So I guess the the cure to that then, the cure to the two-party system is adding liberty adding more freedom of association and opening it up to multiple parties. I think the the best way for our republic to operate in a way that controls government and almost government checking government yeah. is a multi-party system. Yeah. And you know, you look at the Libertarian Party and the growth over the past four to six years already. Um, so they're the closest to breaking that two-party system. But they're also, at least for me personally, my values they're the closest party to represent my values, um, small government. They're really the the party of principle, and that rings true in, in everything that they do and talk about. And so I think it fit me, not just my beliefs and my political ideology, but also that over overhanging ideology that I've had since reading Federalist Paper 10 and, and hearing about Washington's view, um, you know, and the two-party system, and let's get some you know, cooler heads in to prevail. Um, it, it works. It just works a lot better if you have multiple points of view attacking yeah. one particular issue instead of two sides yelling at each other and nothing gets accomplished. Yeah, I think the the environment politically right now is extraordinarily toxic. Yeah. And uh, when, I, when I talk to someone that has some fresh ideas or is coming from a fresh perspective, it, it causes people to take in that information and actually begin to think again. Because it's like you know, I don't, um, I don't just look next to the, their name, whether it's an R or a D. I can actually hear their points of view, take in the information, and become more well informed. And I think then we we get a more well rounded people. Uh, part of the issue right now that I see is like we all kind of get in our own little bubble, yeah, and we get in our own echo chamber, and then we forget like, hey, these issues are actually involve actual people, <laughs> and and politics is like supposed to be about or at least in our representative democracy, it's supposed to be about a well-informed public making the decisions that are going to drive the country the further instead of, oh, my guy just has to beat the other guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so, yeah, uh, that's been one of the coolest parts of going to Waynesburg. You know, a lot of people, especially in, in rural communities, they see universities as, you know, the typical safe space. Yeah. Uh, where, where, you know, college students, they're, worldview is just fed and fed. And like you said, those eco chambers of, of, you know, 
exposure yeah. where you're not getting other perspectives. Waynesburg's like the complete opposite. I had friends that were, you know, staunch Republicans. One of my best friends in college was is a socialist, like right. leftist socialist, far left. And we talked politics every day. Yep. And it never ended in, you know, one of us storming off or getting mad. It was always civil. And, you know, that's how you find common ground with people. I look at Justin Amash, who just last week had AOC in to talk to his students at, I believe, the University of Chicago about how libertarianism and progressivism, how they can work together to accomplish specific goals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're talking about decentralization. You're talking about um, ending corporate welfare, stuff like that. And you don't see that anymore. Like you said, between Republicans and Democrats, there is none of that. If If you're a Democrat and you work with a Republican, you're called a traitor. Right. I mean, Hillary Clinton called Tulsi Gabbard a <laughs> traitor for running a presidential race and, and trying to be the Democratic nominee. Right. And that's inconceivable to think of that, you know, Hillary Clinton would call a, a veteran. She's like a Russian spy. and all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a, a Russian asset, someone <laughs> yeah. who went and fought for, for our country and then came yeah. back and said, you know, we need to end these wars. The fact that she could then, Hillary Clinton of all people, could call her a traitor is just inconceivable. But right. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a very toxic community between the two parties. And when you open it up to other ideas, I think that it's a lot more, you know, respectable and a lot more gets accomplished. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of ideas, let's let's talk about that. So you're going you're you're obviously you're running for a reason. Yes. Um, you're not running, I'm, I'm assuming, just to, you know, make sure there's an L in uh, libertarian person in uh Harrisburg, you, you probably want to try to get some things done while you're there. So if you would win, what are you hoping to accomplish over the next year and a half? So my my main objective of going to Harrisburg is going to be continuing the work that is being started right now with the ballot referendums. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a great chance on May 18th to limit the powers of the governor of Pennsylvania. Right now, that's Tom Wolf, but moving forward, it's going to be someone different. Right. And we need to make sure that we check those powers, those emergency powers that over the past year have greatly damaged the state, our economy, and really just our, our overall well-being in Pennsylvania. We need to continue that work. That's fantastic. It's great that those ballot referendums are on there. Mm-hmm. And I encourage everyone to go on May 18th and vote yes on those. But that can't be the end of it. You know, we have a lot of work to do in reducing the power of the governor and also the state legislature. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a powerful state legislature right now that has been overrun by a tyrannical governor. Yeah. But once we continue one by one, pick away those powers of the governor, then, you know, we need a responsible legislature to look at themselves and say, OK, well, now we have more power than the governor. It's time for us to reduce our own powers, yeah. which is tough to do. That yeah. takes a, a lot of you know integrity to reduce your own powers. We need that, and I think that the biggest fo- focus of my campaign and the biggest focus of my term, if I were to win, is going to be reducing the power of government across the board at the state level. We just have too much going on, whether it's the, the COVID shutdowns, whether it's the ridiculous spending, you know, mm-hmm. the state pulled in $34 billion uh, this year and the budget is $36 billion. Yeah. How do you bring in $34 billion and you're still spending more than you're bringing in? Yeah, it's bizarre, man. The spending is is just <laughs> out of control and it's there's no signs of stopping it right now with, yeah. with the two parties. And so 
that's one of my main goals is to, you know, not know one person. That's why on the campaign trail, I've been saying, I can't promise you better roads. I can't promise you, you know, things immediately that are going to make your life a hundred times better. Right. No politician can promise you that. And those that do are, are flat out lying, lying to you. To you. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'm promising that I'm going to do my part as a, as one member of the legislature to stop big government and stop our state government from expanding. Yeah. And then hopefully, you know, the, the main message of my campaign is that this area specifically needs to send a very bold message to Harrisburg. Mm-hmm. You know, it, we, we can no longer afford to just say, you know, we're going to go with the status quo. Yeah. We need to send a very strong message to Harrisburg that we disapprove of what's gone on over the past year. And we disapprove of them continuing to grow government. Yeah. What stronger message can be sent than sending a 22 year old libertarian to the state legislature and saying, here you go, we're done with this. And, you know, that's that's my main goal is to deliver that strong message. And I said this, I was at a Second Amendment rally up in Islin, Indiana County over the weekend. And I said this, you know, they're going to laugh at me probably. Mm-hmm. If I win, I go in and I'm the 22-year-old libertarian and I say stuff like, hey, we need to reduce our own pay. Yeah. We need to reduce our own power. They're probably going to laugh at me. But that's the problem is we have to be done compromising. Mm-hmm. You know, when we say stuff, say bold stuff, like making the state of Pennsylvania a Second Amendment sanctuary, people will say, well, that's ridiculous because the tyrannical governor would never let that happen. Right. Well, that doesn't mean you just stop. Right. That doesn't mean you give in and you compromise. I'm going to keep bringing this stuff up and keep being in the ears of my of my peers in the state legislature and saying, hey, we need to accomplish this. Yeah. And, you know, that might get me laughed at for a little bit, but I'm not that's not going to stop me. I'm going to keep pressing the issue. And eventually, you know, if I win, that shows the rest of the state that libertarians can win. We mm-hmm. have three other fantastic libertarian candidates across the state in this special election. Hopefully we can send a few of us and we can have our own little uh, libertarian caucus in the legislature, but the more that we win and the more that we show that libertarians can actively participate in a governing role and can be effective at the state level, then more and more we'll continue to win. And those issues that they're laughing at us for pushing right now, those bold issues will soon become policy. Yeah. Well, I'm not, um, when I, when I look at you and don't take this the wrong way, I think of like an AOC, um, on the other side. Okay. Yeah. When she won, it was like, it felt like this joke, right? Yeah. She's this bartender from New York and here, and here she comes, but she had, she was young, she was charismatic and she was, she was savvy with marketing. And all of a sudden, um, you know, even though I don't, I, I'm not sure if I can think of a single issue that I agree with her on uh, wholeheartedly. No. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, when I look at her, I'm like, it's pretty impressive that someone like that has now basically become this kind of swing person in the legislature of the United States. And if you had someone like you who's young, charismatic, and marketing savvy and can get in there and use the loud megaphone that they've been given to kind of uh, try to affect some change, you know, there is a real opportunity for the people of Armstrong County to step up and say, hey, you know, we want Andrew to be our guy and we want to see if uh, if he can be this megaphone for us and have that same kind of power swing in the state legislature that we're seeing on the national level, but in the other direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, this area of all yeah. areas, I mean, Armstrong County and then the parts of Butler and Indiana that are in this district, mm-hmm. 
incredibly ready for liberty. I talk to people, you know, on the campaign trail and everyone says, you know, I love these ideas. I love the message that you're sending. Like, this is a very bold area in mm-hmm. favor of individual liberty, in favor of smaller government. And it's, I think it's time that, you know, our representative reflect that bold message yeah. and say, no, we're not going to put up with this anymore. Even if I'm going to be the only one saying this stuff, we're not going to, we're not going to put up with it anymore. And then everyone else, all the other representatives, Governor Wolf, they'll all know that District 60 is done. Mm-hmm. And at the very least, we can be that, that one district that is saying, no, we're done with it. And hopefully others then will follow suit. Typically it takes one person to sort of stand up Right. to authority before, you know, the the rest sort of can see, hey, it is okay to do this. Mm-hmm. It's okay to vote libertarian. It's okay to say no more. And hopefully I can I can be that voice. It's an interesting pitch, man. Um and I'm I I'm I'm really curious to see how it goes. We're I mean, as of today, we're one week away. Yes, sir. From the election. So um hopefully if you're watching this it'll be like Wednesday or Thursday and you'll have some time to to get a hold of Andrew. Uh, we have a few local issues here that um, I talk about a lot on this channel, and so I thought maybe the viewers would be interested to hear your take on it. Um, we're working on four big problems here locally. Uh, number one, um, addiction and overdose deaths right now are through the roof. Uh, 2021, we are on pace to break the all-time record in Armstrong County, um, which is heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, we are always racking our brains for like how to solve problems like that on the macro level. I know there's a lot of talk in Harrisburg in the United States of what that looks like. Um, what do you see as like government's role or what would be your role as a representative in kind of helping to solve those local, more local issues? So I think that the number one problem with addiction is that we look at it the wrong way. You know, no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, oh, I, I want to do heroin today. No one wakes up and says, I want to be addicted to heroin. Yeah. That is not the the issue we should be trying to solve because that's not an issue. No one does that. It's just not in our nature as human beings. We need to first think about what leads to addiction and start to cure those problems. I think one of the biggest things is the economy, and especially in Pennsylvania and District 60. We need to open up our economy, allow people to start small businesses. Uh, the Cato Institute just put out a study. Pennsylvania is the 32nd easiest state to start and and run a small business, which I, I think is unacceptable. Right. 32nd out of 50, that is not good at all. We have too many regulations on businesses. We have too many occupational licensing um, procedures that people have to go through. I mean, having to go spend thousands of dollars um, to become a barber, I think is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And it's all of this stuff leads to economic depression. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to eliminate that immediately, cut a lot of this red tape and allow people to say, hey, you know, I have two, $3,000 in the bank and this is my passion. This is what I want to do. A lot of people just settle into a profession or a career sometimes because it's not economically feasible for them to chase their dream, mm-hmm. to pursue what they're really passionate about. I think if we allow people to do that, then I think you're going to see a lot of those overdose deaths go down and you're going to see drug use in general go away. Yeah. My, I think the, the biggest stance that libertarians have that a lot of people typically disagree on is, you know, the legalization of marijuana and other drugs. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we're fighting this the wrong way. The drug war not only puts these people in danger because, you know, 
they're they're using drugs, they're dealing drugs, they're having more encounters with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. They're also having encounters with other people on the black market who are trying to sell these drugs. Sure. It puts them in a bad situation. But it also puts our law enforcement in a bad situation. You know, we're sending, you know, our police into situations where they're they're going to arrest a, a single-use drug user, someone who's not selling drugs, someone who's not even selling like laced drugs, which to me is a violent crime. Yeah. If you're if you're selling drugs that you know have the potential to kill someone. Sure. Um, you know, we're sending our police officers to arrest a single-use drug user and that person has a gun. Mhm. It, it's it's the drug war, the war on drugs is bad on all ends, whether you're the drug user, whether you're the police officer that's working on it. And so I think we need to, across Pennsylvania, also get rid of that and, you know, start working on actually healing, the healing process, allow our state officers, our local officers to pursue violent crimes, Mm -hmm. you know, robbery, theft, um, assault, stuff like that. That's where our police resources should be focusing instead of, like you said, you know, this giant epidemic of opioids yeah how do we fix it it's not doing the same things that we're doing now and it's not giving more money to the same things we're doing now at the state level right because look at any state program when you add more money to it it gets worse yeah and you see this with you know our state roads um the the tolls i mean it's insane how much money is now being pumped into infrastructure and the infrastructure keeps getting worse just creates more waste and more um yeah, more uh, red tape and regulation between everything. And uh, I agree with you. I, I think a lot of times there's a we think we're going to have this magic bullet. We're going to pass this one bill, and it's all magically going to solve all of our addiction issues. But that doesn't solve the root. Exactly. The root problem. And so it's interesting because uh, if I talk to um, people on both parties, normally I get very government-heavy answers at this point. And it's interesting um, to hear say, hey, we got to solve the underlying economy and then go from there. How about blight? I mean, we're dealing with similar things with blight. You look at a lot of the small towns around Western Pennsylvania, um, say a manufacturer like PPG, Left Ford City, I don't know, dec- a couple decades ago at this point. Um, well, when Elder left, I guess that was kind of the final um, emptying of that plant. So when that left, then there's this vacuum and we see our neighborhoods gradually start to decline. Um, I'm assuming similar answer for that. We have yeah, I mean, I think that solving the local economy and yeah. allowing people to prosper within the market is the easiest solution to that. You mm-hmm. know, the area has to be marketable. Mm-hmm. It has to be competitive in the market. And like I said, 32nd out of 50, all of Pennsylvania right now is not it's not able to compete in the market. Mm-hmm. But if you look at areas here especially, you know, we have this beautiful landscape in District 60. I've always said this. I said this actually on uh, Pat Ford's show with LPTV. (laughs) A couple summers ago, I worked at PennDOT, and uh, one of my foremen, he was a real big fan of God's Country by Blake Shelton. Mm -hmm. And I asked him, I said, it would come on the radio all the time, and he'd crank it up and sing along to it. I asked him, you know, why, why do you love this song so much? And he said, because we live in, in God's County. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Armstrong County is God's County. Look at how beautiful it is. Nice. We really do. Yeah. It's a very unique area as far as the landscape and the surrounding woodlands, the recreation that we have, um, with our outdoor activities. So 
why can't we get people to stay here? Mm-hmm. And and it's simple. The, the economy is just not diverse enough. It doesn't allow for many opportunities, and there's too much uh, regulation from the government. Yeah. If we open that up and we get people to come in to start a business, you know, um, I was talking to someone after the candidates forum in Katanning, and they said, you know, well, what, what does that ideal economy look like? And I said, it has to be a healthy mix and a healthy and competitive mix of small local businesses, mm-hmm. you know, the ones that are still standing right now, thank heavens, after the year that we saw. Right. Um, you know, a lot of small businesses went under and aren't coming back mm-hmm. because of the ridiculous government regulation of COVID-19. But the ones that are still standing and operating, it looks like a lot more of those. We allow more people to start those small businesses and thrive in the market. And then also some bigger some bigger businesses coming in, like you said, PPG, um, a lot of what you've, you're seeing in Pittsburgh. But it has to be a good balance of that where those small businesses can compete with those bigger businesses that are coming in. Yeah. And so it, it's a tough balance to struggle. And like I said, I can't fix that in a year and a half. Right. No one can fix that in a year and a half. But we have to at least try to start that process of opening uh, local areas like the 60th district to more small businesses, to some bigger businesses. And I'm, I'm telling you, once we get people here and we create an economy and an environment that is open and engaging to those people, they're going to stay because of how beautiful it is. Um, the sense of community that there is in the 60th district. Mm-hmm. The, when people come here, they're going to stay. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, one way that I think that libertarian principles really appeal to me is Armstrong County, it's very difficult because we kind of are in this um, this balancing act where we're trying to, we're trying to bring businesses in, mm-hmm. but then they look at our population and say, well, there's not enough people there for it to make sense for that business to come in. And so then we're like, well, how do we raise the population? Well, you have to have good jobs from these major businesses in order to raise your population. And so it's like we have to have some more tools in the toolbox that are now kind of locked in Harrisburg. Like if we were able here to, you know, cut taxes drastically or decide how we want to fund our own schools or we could, you know, decide a lot of these different things. Like right now, our property tax levels are basically locked in because of the way that schools are funded. And if we had if we were able to make that decision on a local level as a county, we could maybe get more creative and allow these businesses to come in, build new buildings without paying some of the highest property taxes in the state. And so it's like we have to like we have to wrench power back from the state somehow. Otherwise, Armstrong County, um, these big problems are they're almost impossible to solve. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, and that's the problem when you have that strong centralized power in Harrisburg, you know, and that's the thing, too. They have all this power and yet they don't do any of the things they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. I talked a lot, especially at the Second Amendment rally, obviously, but about this idea that we, we're doing this backwards, where individual counties like Armstrong, like Indiana, like Westmoreland, they have to stand up and declare themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. The right to self-defense doesn't come from government, doesn't come from the Constitution. That's a God-given right. Amen. That right should be protected first at the federal level, where the Second Amendment is, is literally in our founding document. Yeah. And, but they've given up on that. And so at the very least, it should be at the Pennsylvania state level, you would think. Mm-hmm. But even, even our state legislature is starting to compromise on guns. Right. And so now, you know, the, 
it's basically come to the counties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the, the state legislature, ignoring the rights that they are supposed to protect, the rights that we send them to protect in Harrisburg, and then also going completely out of, uh, out of what their intention is as a governing body at the state level, creating all of this, this economic hardship in areas like District 60. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's policy coming from Philadelphia County, from, you know, Allegheny County yeah. that is now being applied to this area. And right. it just shows that one size fits all government, whether it's from the federal or the state level, does not work, especially in a diverse state like Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting too. I mean, the one of the other problems is empty town towns. We already kind of talked about that. The last one is like ineffective, inefficient local governments. Like I know a lot of the cities and stuff, they're they're really burdened by the regulation and burdened by how to be able to to run. How would you work with local towns, local municipalities, um, local townships? How would you work with them to kind of help them to move the ball forward, so to speak? I honestly think that taking these, um, you know, whether it's an adoption of language, whether it's an actual ordinance, local municipalities standing up for the rights that we are given by God Mm -hmm. in defiance of federal and state laws, I think is the best way to do it. Okay. Um, empowering counties like Armstrong to say, hey, we're, we are a Second Amendment sanctuary. Mm-hmm. We will not enforce laws from the state level or from the federal level. And a lot of people look at that and it's it's in our nature to say like, no, that's wrong. It, you know, we're breaking federal law. <laughs> well, if the federal law isn't moral, isn't justified by the Constitution, by a, any basic understanding of a republic, Mm-hmm. or a federal government, their roles, what their intended roles are supposed to be, then is that law even just? We need right. to start looking at the morality of our laws and at the local level standing up and saying, we are not going to follow immoral laws. Mm-hmm. We are not going to comply with it. And when enough counties do that, enough municipalities do that, that in itself sends a message to Harrisburg and says, hey, what are we doing wrong here? You know. of our counties are Second Amendment sanctuaries. Right. Maybe we should be a Second Amendment sanctuary (laughs) at the state level. And so empowering them to do that, to, you know, pass ordinances and really empowering people, you know, at the individual level to get involved with their local government, their, whether it be their um, council at the municipality level, their commissioners at the, at the uh, county level, um, you know, you need to get involved with these local offices and try to enact some change. There's some awesome stories from libertarians across the state and across the nation that have gotten very libertarian-leaning uh, ordinances passed at their at their city council. Um, you know, even as far as the county level. Yeah. And so I think that that really it takes one person, and you know, one person can affect change in a group of people, and that group of people can affect change at the county level. And if enough people do that at their county levels, it can bring about massive change at the state level. That's what, I mean, that's what this channel is all about. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos that we've done, but it's like, it's individuals in the town helping their neighbor, uh, us coming together as a community, supporting our local business. Like, that's what this is all about. And it's like, um, we have to get back to individual responsibility and stop looking for someone else out there to save us. Oh, yeah. Like, it's on us. If our community is falling apart, it's 
it's not going to be anyone else's fault but our own. And so if we can kind of take that responsibility back at the local level, man, it changes everything. Oh, I agree 100%. And that's why one of my big campaign platforms is fiscal responsibility. Mm. $90,000 a year is what I will make if elected. Mm -hmm. First off, I don't even think it should be a full-time job. Because the less time our (laughs) legislature spends in Harrisburg, you know, legislating. Yeah the less time that they have to take your rights away. So I think that, you know, first off, I'm going to be advocating strongly for a part-time legislature in Harrisburg. But on top of that, $90,000 a year is ridiculous. I believe it's top five in the nation, Pennsylvania is. Mm -hmm. And so I, day one, is another thing that will probably get me laughed at. I'm going to say, hey, we need to be paid less. We need to go down to 60,000 immediately. And I'm going to challenge every single member of the state legislature to, if we're not going to pass this, we need to pledge that $30,000 a year that we're being paid is going back into our districts for voluntary programs like food banks that actually help people. Right. You know, who feeds more people in Armstrong County, the local food banks or the government? Right. (laughs) It's the local food banks because they know how to operate. They're operating within the market. And they know they have to use their resources correctly or else they won't be able to feed people anymore. Right. The government has no concept of that because they have the ability, if they wanted to, to pass higher taxes Mm -hmm. and force you to fund them. Right. Food banks can't do that. And because of that, they're able to, you know, create a a better service for people. Mm -hmm. And so that's my plan. If I win immediately, $30,000 every year is going to those community programs like food banks. Um, there, there's a really good idea within the Libertarian Party right now for uh, community gardens, which is another way to feed people in, in the local communities. We yeah. need to start investing the money that we're sending to Harrisburg in our own communities and, and actually doing our part, like you said, because once we take that individual power back and we take that responsibility back, then you'll see the areas like ours start to grow mm-hmm. and you'll see that dependency on government, whether it's at the state level or the federal level, that starts to dwindle and diminish and we can really start to build at home again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I agree with the ideals. And so you, but you have a really, you have a really tough road to hoe here. You got a tricky yeah. path forward. Um, you're facing Abby Major, who worked in Jeff Powell's office for a long, long time. She's kind of a mainstay in his office. She's pretty well known around here. Um, you have Frank Prezenica, who is running from the southern part of the county. So both of those people on both sides are going to say, if I don't vote for my guy or if I don't vote for my girl, then um, the other side's going to win. And so I can't vote for you. Take a couple minutes, make your pitch to the people of Armstrong County. Why should they vote for you? Um, why should they vote for a, a third third option? So you mentioned the fear tactic, right? Yeah. You know, if I don't, if I'm a Republican and I don't vote for the Republican, then the Democrat's going to win. Right. If I'm a Democrat and I don't vote for the Democrat, then the Republican's going to win. Yeah. First off, look at what fear has done to our state and to our nation over the past year and a half the mass amounts of government control that we've seen in the past year, the mass amounts of toxicity in our political discourse over the past year, and it's all born out of fear. We need to stop being fearful of tomorrow, of the other side. 
you know, the, the thing that we need to fear the most is big government, an expansive government that overspends, that overregulates and passes laws that basically tell you how to run your life. The main message of my campaign is that we need to send a very bold message. That can't be done out of fear. That requires you to stand up and to show up on May 18th and, and vote out of confidence, out of almost defiance of what we're seeing right now, and vote for me. That is the main message of my campaign because we can't accomplish anything when we're fearful. We can't reach across the aisle and get stuff done with the other side if we're fearful. I'm a libertarian. I'm not adherent to Republican ideology or Democratic ideology, which there really is no ideology anymore behind those two parties. You know, I'm a libertarian. I'm from the party of principle. And so what I can do for you in Harrisburg is work with Republicans and Democrats. You know, we're working on limiting the power of Governor Tom Wolf. Not a lot of Democrats are going to work with me on that. Mm. I'm going to try, though. I'll reach out and I'll try to work with them. A lot of Republicans are probably going to help me on that journey. When you're talking about stuff like legalization of marijuana, that's going to be a lot of Democrats working with me. Mm. And so... I can go to Harrisburg and work with both sides, but I'm not adherent to both sides. I don't have to vote with them if I disagree with what they're doing. And so that's my main message is, you know, if you're a Republican that is tired of seeing increased taxes, tired of seeing overregulation, tired of seeing the past year and a half, then I need you to vote for me. Not out of fear, you know, that if you don't vote for me, someone else is going to win but out of confidence, out of bold protest to big government. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Democrat and, you know, you're tired of overregulation, um, you know, too many laws, not enough value on individual freedom, then I, I ask that you vote for me, not in fear that, you know, someone else is going to win, but because you are tired of what you're seeing in our state and you want to make a, send a message. And that's really my ultimate goal is if we can send a 22-year-old libertarian to Harrisburg, everyone is going to wake up statewide on May 19th and ask what happened. <laughs> and I will be there to deliver that message as soon as possible in Harrisburg to say, here's what happened. You're over your big government, your expansion of government, your lack of respect and empathy for the people of this state has pushed the, the 60th district, Armstrong, Indiana, and Butler County, it has pushed them to the edge, and they're tired of it. And we need to start turning things around right now, because if we don't, look at New York, look at California. That's where we're about to be as a state in 10 years. If we do not stop the spending, if we don't stop the overregulation, if we just let people live their lives as they see fit, unless they're harming someone else's life, liberty, or property, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to do what you want to do with your life. And I truly believe that you know best how to run your life. The government doesn't know how to do that. You do. And if we can send that message, then I think we can get a lot more people to pay attention to that message, to fight for that message as well. And hopefully over the next 10 years, instead of becoming New York or California, we as a state can open up, allow you to live your life freer, allow more people to come in, be more marketable, and and create a better Pennsylvania. It's hmm. good stuff. Um, I, I really appreciate you doing this venue. Uh, it takes a lot of 
it takes a lot of guts just to run a campaign like that and then to come on here and uh, make your pitch to the people. Um, I think it's really important that people hear from you. They understand what you're all about. And when they see your name on the ballot, I hope they remember this conversation and they'll, uh, they'll be able to tie some of the, some of the ideals to their vote um, when they actually make their selection. So um, I appreciate it. Uh, last thing, how can people follow you, support you? If they have more questions for you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Any way that I can speak to the constituents, I think it's fantastic. And please, if you're watching this, get a hold of me. Um, you can follow me on social media. Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AMH, the number four Liberty. That is across the board where you can find me. Please send a DM. I run all of my social media accounts, so I'll be able to respond to you quickly. Nice. Also, my website at, well, not at, but AMH, the number four Liberty.com. That is my campaign website. On there, you will find my personal email address. And so if you prefer email as a means of communication, please reach out to me there as well. Again, that's my personal email. It's not some campaign email. So you can reach me directly and I'll be in touch with you. I love talking about the issues. I love doing stuff like this, podcasts. And so please reach out uh, no matter where you're coming from, whether you're a libertarian or a Republican, Democrat, far left, far right, it doesn't matter. I like talking the issues with people and hopefully we can you know, find some sort of center ground wherever you're coming from that we can agree on. And nice. most importantly, May 18th, please, I'm begging you. Um, we need as many people to vote as possible. Even if you watch this and you're not convinced and you're voting for someone else, I encourage you to vote um, because we need as many people participating and paying attention as possible, especially in these local races, um, because they are so very crucial. Um, I obviously, though, encourage you, Andrew Rhea, H-R-E-H-A, there will be a little L beside my name on the ballot. Anyone, regardless of political affiliation, can vote in the special election and can vote for me in the special election. And also the ballot referendums. I'm encouraging everyone. Yes, 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 and no on the four ballot referendums. But make sure you check those out as well because they are uh, very, just as important as my election, even more important, I would say. And so um, thank you very much for your time, for listening to this, and I'd appreciate your consideration on May 18th. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on, my friend. Um, you have the best first name in politics. Yes. I can, I can say that with absolute certainty. Uh, so if you're into it, uh, go vote for Andrew coming up May 18th. I appreciate you guys watching. If you're checking this out and you have other people that you know need to be more politically informed and you heard some ideas here that you'd like to spread around, just encourage you to share this video. Let's get it to as many people as possible and let's have a well-informed electorate for this coming election. Thanks for watching, you guys. Talk to you soon.